Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Every civilization was built off the back of a disposable workforce. But I can only make so many. Shh. Happy birthday. There is an order to things. That's what we do here. We keep order. The world is built on a wall that separates kind. Tell either side there's no wall. You bought a war. You're a cop. I had your job once. I was good at it. I know. What do you want? I want to ask you some questions. to the future is finally unearthed. Bring it to me. They know you're here. I always told you you're special. Your story isn't over yet. There's still a page left. Something, something, I wish Ryan Gosling would retire me. Hi, I'm Sebastian. <laughs> Wouldn't have to have a piece of cheese without you. Many is the night I dream of cheese. Toasted, mostly. I'm Andy Schossler. Uh, I see. You don't like real girls. I'm Jordan. That, that wasn't a quote from the film. That was just me. Uh, <laughs> it just feels ruminating. like yeah. <laughs> Harrison Ford just walking onto set, asking, catering. Um God, welcome to our review of Blade Runner 2049. I'm lucky I decided to just make up a quote because that was the one the I was going to say was what Jordan said. So yeah. you're welcome. Thank you. Almost did it. <laughs> Almost did it again. Oh, what an unquotable movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I you said the one so. good line. 
I think and there is just an old man ranting about cheese. When I do these quotes, I mean, I, I try and pick something that's not obvious. I try and usually pick something a bit funny as well. But I like to think that the quotes that I pick kind of, you know, um, not necessarily give a clues to the film, but I don't know, address the subtext of it. Mm. Because films you know, are literal and then good ones have layers behind that. You can address. I wouldn't be surprised if we get to like the trivia and we find out that Harrison Ford ad libbed that line. That's just how he felt that day. <laughs> well, no, didn't actually I mean, read the script. It's a, it's a line from a which is addressed in the in the film. It's a rhyme mm. line from a from a from a book. But this is a world where real food is now, you know, no longer available. It's not even it's not even for the wealthy. It's you can't get real food, and so he dreams of a of, of a past where things were freely available or at least better, and those those days are gone. Yeah. He's grumpy either way, though, it's Harrison Ford. <laughs> Whether there's food or not, no food, he's going to be a little bit cross the entire time. That's just what he does in films. And that's fine. He's kind of settled into that into his older years of just being the grumpy Clint Eastwood sort of character, which Clint a, Eastwood's doing a really good job of. He's got a job to do because he's got helicopters to crash. Yeah, God, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. All right. So why are we doing this film again? Because we're, we're doing Ridley Scott films. It turns out this is not a Ridley Scott film. Right, it's, it's not directed. It's Ridley Scott adjacent. <laughs> yes, that I'll agree to. It's not. It's not directed by Ridley Scott. It's directed by Denis Villeneuve. He sounds like um, a good director. He did, that name. His name sounds fancy, <laughs> so he must be good. He did Arrival. Oh, oh yeah. So okay, I haven't I, seen I that. Really liked Arrival. Heard good um, things. It was quite good, actually. Yeah, I liked it, and I like this too. This isn't. This isn't a bad. This isn't a bad film in any way. But Ridley Scott was heavily involved. You know, all the, he's credited as a, as a producer. What he really ended up doing is sort of co-directing. Okay. Why did sense. he not just direct it? That's a, a weird thing. Like they, they don't think he's marketable these days because they, they he was all over the advertisement for this. That's Maybe because he can make his money by <laughs> just having his name on it and have someone else do it for him. Oh, or yeah, or maybe he didn't want to this do all the work himself. Yeah, who knows? Interesting. So this director is the one that's doing the new June film. Yes. Yeah. Uh. He's good. He's he's very good at what he does. You know. No, no. I'm just remember that there's a, there's a new June film coming out. I hope it's good. <laughs> please, <laughs> please be good. They're actually talking which, quite a, highly about it. Which, Dave Bautista's in it. Which oh, June yes. do you know? The original '70s film or the TV movie? The done in three parts. No, I'm the movie done by David Lynch. Okay, David so Lynch. The, the '70s. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's it, it's actually Alan Smithy. It's David Lynch. It was David Lynch. It's absolutely David Lynch. But it's, but it's Alan Smithy because of that Hollywood quirk of you know, uh, being very difficult to get your name off uh, a film and still be a part of the guild. Yeah, but it's very him though. It's like nonsensical. He did it. He just didn't agree with the cut, so he wanted oh, his well, name cut from the cut from the project, which is why the credits in the in the seventies uh, film, uh, the director is Alan Smithy, not David Lynch. Interesting. Yeah. I'm just Alan, Alan, Alan Smith is the name they use yeah, yeah. when directors uh, you know, successfully petition to have their name taken off the project. Oh, okay. But getting your name yeah. off is actually very difficult. To still be a member of the guild. I mean, yeah. um, George Lucas was uh, thrown out of the director's guild because in uh, A New Hope, uh, 77, he wanted to start the film without uh, a credit sequence, without uh, billing any, any um, actors. You know, and that was a big no-no at the time. But he said, no, I want my film to be done this way. And they said, fine, you'll never work in a Guild project again. See you later. 
that sounds like it's an okay thing to me. <laughs> which is which is probably also why he didn't direct. It was, it was really detrimental yeah. to his career, <laughs> yeah. as you can tell. He never recovered. <laughs> no, no, but, but, but it's probably why he didn't direct. Probably in, in part as well why he didn't direct um, Empire Strikes Back. Which is why it's the, the only good film in the entire series. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> no. Now, to be fair, he's not a bad director, isn't he? Though. I think. Is it David Kazaner? No, I'm just trying to find out who did the Star Wars. In the uh, Irvin Kershner did. Um, Irvin Kershner. Uh, who am I thinking Empire of? Empire Strikes Back. Lawrence Kasdan is who I was thinking about. He's the writer for. Yes. Most of them, yeah. Did he, he didn't direct the? Th- I, I don't know or care to be honest. I'm just asking because I'm on a film show. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should know or care. No. Um, no, he didn't. Okay. Like the director of Return of the Jedi is like Rainquist or something or Hawkwist. He's an idiot is what he is. I think there's a quist <laughs> in his name. I'm looking it up now. Anyway, as you were, guys, I'll, I'll come back with some Jedi facts in a well, moment. Blade Runner 2049. Uh, <laughs> I was shocked to find out what year this movie was set in. Yeah. I was shocked that they had it. to tell us what mo- what year it was set in, actually, <laughs> to be more specific. I was like, really? You have to tell us in the movie? Anyway, it's fine. Well, in the in the in-world... Richard Marquand. Marquand. Marquand? Marquand? Yeah, that's the... I knew there was a Q in it somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Blade Runner 2049 is set 30 years after Blade Runner, which is set in 2019 itself. Yep. Before the world was on fire. Do we have to look forward to Blade Runner 2079? I hope not. I don't care. I mean, they'll all be dead by then. Oh, no. I mean, I mean Touchwood, Gosling shouldn't be dead by then. He's young enough to survive until then. <laughs> um, the idea that Harrison Ford will make it that far is ridiculous, though. He's got no hope. <laughs> How old is he now? He's he'd be in his seventies, def- wouldn't he? Definitely in his seventies. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll get. A, I'll, you continue, sorry, Andrew. I'll get in some Harrison Ford maybe age he, facts. Maybe he knows <laughs> that he will live that long, and that's why he's such a grumpy old bastard. Yeah, like, I've still got so long to go on this earth. I was, and honestly, same. <laughs> I feel you. I was so angry this morning when I realized, oh, wouldn't it have been easier if science just froze all of us while this virus was being sorted out? <laughs> so instead of us all living through a shitty well, year, no. we can just wake up when it's done in like 2021. The virus isn't making things shitty. It's, it's the people it's reacting to the virus. Of the virus. <laughs> no, it's governments you know, overusing their authority to all right. make us do things that are silly. Let's play a fun game. How old is Harrison Ford? 74. <laughs> okay. Uh, he was born in 42. Okay. Uh, it doesn't tell me how old that is. It must be to do math. So what's that? Um, he'd be, was it, what did I say? It was 42. So he'd be 78. Well done, Seb. That's really, that's, that's a math. lot older than I thought he'd be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was Jesus. saying 78, but my head was like, surely it's closer to 68. <laughs> no, it is 78. Jesus. All right. Yeah, he won't be here for 70, 20, 79 or whatever. Maybe he will be. Who knows? I'm not trying to stop him from doing it. He eats well and he does a lot of exercise. Oh, no. 2022, an Indiana Jones film? Oh. Fuck off. No. Oh, it's being directed by James Mangold, um, Wolverine. I don't think there'll be a Blade Runner 3 just because this one didn't do so well at the box office. It wasn't Imagine a flop. It, it wasn't a flop, but of a, of a budget of 150 million, it only made 259. So, mm. including marketing, maybe it yeah. made its money back. Maybe not. What was the sorry budget? 150. Okay. Uh, well, it's not, it's not a flop at least. It just isn't. It's a, not a flop. It's it's a very expensive buy-in for little payoff <laughs> though. <laughs> but despite that, still well liked. Um, uh, an eight 
8.0 on IMDb. Yeah, and worth that. noting, 8.1 is the rating on IMDb for the original. So it's yep, very it's close. Yeah. yeah, consistent. And Rotten Tomatoes, 88% critical and 81% audience. I'll look so into this specifically, but it actually won two Oscars. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming maybe visually. Cinema, cinematography, yeah. uh, I think. And, uh, it won, yeah, and it best does. cinematography and best achievement in visual effects, yeah. which <laughs> there's a particular scene I'd, I'd like to give notice to in that one. And I have something to say about that in our verdict wrap-up. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's weird. Ryan Gosling wasn't nominated for best person told not to act on screen for three hours. <laughs> that's weird. That's a weird one to miss out on. He played a good- I thought he would have been a shoo-in. He, he did really well. I'm not criticizing him. He did but really like, well. He was told, don't you fucking smile this entire movie. When, don't you dare. Yeah, when, don't when you, you dare show a range of emotions. When you're playing a role that, you know- won't have a whole heap of emotion coming out. To do it well is a, a skill, right? You can't just play deadpan because that doesn't work either. You really have to try and divorce yourself from emotion, which is a, a hugely difficult thing to do. But again, seeing that, when you're actually seeing it and evaluating it, you're going, well, I'm not going to give him an award for that because he's not actually doing anything. Yes. And that's not true, <laughs> but you can't see it in the way that, you can see somebody crying or getting angry. I'm mad. So I've come, I've gone back to wrestling training and I'm trying to think of what sort of character do I want to portray if I actually am good enough to ever have a match. And I've been like, well, obviously the answer is 80s style Rocky, like boxing character. Cause that's hilarious <laughs> to me. And then I see this motherfucker. I'm like, oh, I should have just gone person who, who's never had a thought or emotion in his life as my character. Cause this looks like it's easier. So there's any- already far too many people in this state doing that character. <laughs> Not intentionally though. I'll be the only one doing it on purpose. <laughs> but, oh, I regret my decision of thinking of like a character when I could have just thought of a, literally a brick wall with arms, legs, and a face. <laughs> well, speaking of characters, uh, this film has some, apparently. That's a terrible segue. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, I mean, factual, but <laughs> no points for creativity. Uh, Dennis Villeneuve, the, the director, originally wanted David Bowie to play Wallace, uh, yeah. who, who Jared Leto uh, played, but unfortunately he died before shooting began. Well, and that. as well, Jared Leto is just coming off of his powerhouse performance in Suicide Squad, yeah, Cash that's Cow. Right. That's exactly right. Um, Did David Bowie play a character in the Tron movie who was very similar, or is that a different actor? That I don't think he's in that. In, sorry, in the second yeah. Tron. I know. I don't think he's in it. I'll find out because there was a, there was but a very similar character to um, yeah. Jared Leto's character in the Tron movie, and it may not have yeah. been him. Oh, who know? He was like the club owner or some shit. I'll, oh, I'll find right. out who it was because I, I thought David, David Bowie did didn't do some some acting, and he mm. and he did play a weird guy. David Bowie. Been, I, I think he would have done a Bowie good job. That's in Pan's Labyrinth. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And he's a decent character in um, The Prestige as well. Yeah. He shows up in actually like yeah. really good films, and he's never he never stands out as like oh it's that singer. If you don't know what he, if you don't have no like, very limited exposure to Bowie, he won't stand out like he doesn't belong in a scene. Like he's mm. actually very yeah that's exactly was right. very good at yeah. And he had the unfortunate luck of uh, being dead when the film started. Yeah. So couldn't Are you his, suggesting couldn't that sign his contract? You see. <laughs> Yeah, because if he had that's signed the it, they would have just CGI'd him into this film. <laughs> uh, would you care to guess who else was considered for Wallace? So Wallace um, is the is the um, Jared Leto character. Yes. Who would think, I have cast? Think very very obvious actors that play weird characters. Well, Johnny Depp was my go-to in terms of like that sort of effeminate masculine 
character that Jared Leto does play in these films and David Bowie could. I'm, I'm not saying I would use him, but he's maybe. the kind of person that you would associate with those roles. Did you mm. see the Willy Wonka remake? Yeah, mm. that's. I don't like that, but, no. but I'm saying, but yeah, he's an actor that has been picked for similar roles. Well, Nick Cage. Nick Cage. He does weird shit. I reckon Fuck, that'd be great. <laughs> saying that, I reckon Nick Cage could have could have done yeah. a good job of it too. I can see that. Can I have a what? hint about this other one though? Well, oh, you know how much I love guessing games. I'll just, just three I'll, weeks from I'll, now. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just tell you um, the other considerations were Gary Oldman, good choice, okay. and Ed Harris, ah. which isn't as obvious. But when you sort of picture him in the role, you go, okay, maybe. But you'd know he's the yeah. villain to start with instantly because it's Ed Harris. <laughs> the trouble with Wallace is that it's not really that interesting a character. No, like he he is the villain, and he's in a you know the antagonist of the film, which is also. Something I'll I'll talk about briefly, but I I don't think it works. Blade Runner was good when there was no villain, or rather the villain was ambiguous. Yeah, because they had good reasons for doing the things they were doing, mm-hmm. and if you if you just changed the method of how Roy was behaving, you could you could get behind him, yeah. and, and maybe even be sympathetic. Can I pause? But with Wallace, there's just no sympathy because he's trying to. He's, he's trying to propel humanity, uh, but at the at the at the cost of definitely having yeah. a slave workforce in order to make that happen. I there's, there's no no um, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. He's got his hair tied back like a sh- like a freaking Ronin right now. I'm looking I'm looking at the picture of um, the Walls character, and I've seen Tom Cruise dressed like this in another movie. Last Samurai. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Michael Keaton. I would have loved. If you're going to go the Ed Harris way, I would have gone Michael Keaton instead. Michael Keaton, maybe. I mean, he yeah. he played the same sort of role in the RoboCop remake. Yeah, of the of the. Evil, I haven't evil seen director. that, and that's fine. Yeah. That's fine that I haven't seen that, right? What do you mean? Didn't we just do that? RoboCop remake? No. I, oh no, we did. We did Total Recall. We talked about RoboCop, but we didn't yes. do RoboCop. Yeah. Oh, if only, <laughs> if only that was our reality. <laughs> uh, so the opening sequence with Dave Bautista in this one was originally scripted and storyboarded but not shot for the original Blade Runner. It was, it was how Deckard was going to be introduced, but Ridley Scott instead ended up doing the, the noodle scene. Genuinely upset that Batista was only in like two minutes of this film. I know, five yeah. minutes. And it's, it's all downhill from there after that first nine He minutes. did a good job. <laughs> it's yeah, a, it's a great opening. Mm. You know, in, as I was watching it, as I was watching it this time, I remembered it being longer. Mm. And it reminds me of the opening of Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. Where you've got this you know very small room they're just talking and the tension is building 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 mm. you know it's it, the heat isn't on high but it's just you know simmering b- simmering and bringing everything up to a nice boil and i remember it being longer because i watched it this time and it just seemed a little bit unsatisfying as to how short it was because mm. it's, oh. it's all kind of over in about 5 minutes he's yeah. also in a 5 minute short called 2048 nowhere to run so like a prequel short there, there were a few you know um Smaller projects leading yeah. up to the oh, film. Yeah. Adam Savage is in that from Mythbusters. Interesting. Sorry, but right. yeah. Um, <laughs> so that would bring if you combine them, you get his total runtime of seven minutes. He's <laughs> damn. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a genuinely good actor in a lot of things, and I know he has the gross wrestling stigma when it comes to it, but he puts in some genuinely really good performances. I like that he's gone the different route to like like your Rock and your John Cena's, where they just do like. These big blockbustery things. Batista's throwing himself himself into like these actual acting acting roles. Mm. Well, even even, good. even the Rock kind of evolved to into more speaking roles and being a bit cleverer. Yeah, I mean in um, 
uh, Get Smart. He plays the. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's the there's the twist that he's mm. you know part of the part of the bad team. But I'm always smiling when he's on screen, whereas Batista's throwing himself into actual like os. No, I'm not saying he's Oscar worthy, but he's throwing himself into Oscar film, like Oscar yeah. worthy films, <laughs> as opposed to yeah. The Rock, who's just like I'm going to do Fast and Furious. Like, hey, great choice. You're good at that shit. Go do it. Batista's like I'm going to do acting, and it just <laughs> I feel like there's a, a key difference between what they're doing and once. Yeah, but to be fair, Batista's also done Guardians of the Galaxy and shit. Like he's also doing those family fun, stupid. Movies as well. He's making smart choices while The Rock is doing Skyscraper. Yes. <laughs> and like, do you know uh, how much money he made out of that? Oh, uh, tons, I'm He's sure. The, yeah, officially. That's a fucking dumb movie. <laughs> that's, that's not a dumb movie. <laughs> um, and it hasn't hurt his career. No, it's not at all. Point. It's just a really stupid film. <laughs> he and Kevin Hart have got another yeah. 20 projects in the works, oh, I'm for sure. <laughs> it's a little bit dated saying it today because of the time that this episode comes out. But as of like two days before recording or three days before recording, he was, yeah, officially declared like the highest paying actor within the last calendar year or some yeah. shit, which is when you consider like Robert Downey Jr.'s, the, in the, you know, the money he was getting just from the Avengers films alone. Yeah. Um, yeah, The Rock's in no, 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 no needs he, in dire straits or anything. He just bought the XFL for fuck's sake. Well, the he, last film I saw Robert Downey Jr. in was a steaming pile of garbage. So. Is that Dr. Doolittle? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good. So I can confidently say that The Rock is making better film decisions at this point in time than Robert Downey Jr. Well, thank you for taking that bullet. But <laughs> also to be fair, Batista's doing a lot of like straight to DVD shit as well. He did Escape Plan 2, which is the sequel to well, Escape Plan, that straight to DVD Stallone on the yeah. prison, which is a fine film. I, I like Escape Plan. I really like it. Stallone like, and Schwarzenegger together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fact that he did the sequel to that and that only came out 2018, so we're talking two years ago, yeah. while in the middle of his Avengers yeah. cycle, he throws in a straight to DVD film with Stallone. Fine, you've got to roll the dice. Yeah, it's when you're a mark for Stallone, he's like, "Oh, I got to do that." <laughs> Honestly, it could just be the fact, like, "Fuck yeah, I'll work with Stallone." Yeah, yeah. Like, it's not like he's going to do a bad That's job it. in that film. It's just gonna be him punching things. Like, he's like, "Whatever." <laughs> like, it's not. Gonna, yep. Hollywood is saturated with people that want to be actors, and even you know, talented people who are, you know, high on the you know, a listers, I guess, yeah. as well, in their own right, um, who still have to compete for for roles. It's not. Yeah. It's not a bad thing to do three or four movies in a year. And the director of this film obviously likes him because he's bringing him across to June as well. Yeah. That was my attempt to, yeah. uh, my personal attempt to segue us <laughs> back into this one. It's my, it's my fault entirely, don't get me wrong. <laughs> so the original rough cut um, of Blade Runner 49 was four hours long. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it was Why? briefly considered to cut it into two films because each two hour segment kind of felt like a whole movie on its own. Well, yeah, because it's two hours. <laughs> yep. But uh, good old Dennis uh, said, no, I'll, I'll cut it and just make one film out of it, um, which was still horribly long, mm-hmm. painfully long. Painful. It was under three hours for the record. The cut I saw yeah, was barely. 245, <laughs> I think it was, or some shit. Like, I was By a whole quarter of an hour. Two well, hours is the longest a film should be. Yeah. When we go to the when we get into it's the really plot, hard to concentrate unless it's mm-hmm. you know very very enticing. Engaging, yeah. Which yeah, that was my whole problem. Was like I just wasn't engaged with it, and it was nearly three hours long. Yeah. When we get into the plot, we'll obviously talk about it more in detail. But it's the time that he rocks up at the orphanage slash child slave camp. I, I I paused it on Netflix and saw the time left and was shocked to see it had like <laughs> an hour and twenty left. And I was like, this literally any other film would be ramping up to. The end where he would maybe, in theory, if that story were the way, this is when he'd get the child, save the child or whatever, and then the movie would well, end for the sequel. It's the end of the first act where, yeah. he, where he realises, oh, okay, maybe maybe I'm the one. And yeah, there's already 
an hour and 20 that has gone by. And Which I enjoyed, and- by the way. I enjoyed the first half of this film a lot more than I did the second That's half. It's the end of the first act. I where, know. You know, almost every other film is starting to wrap up at this point, And this is just the end of the first act. Yeah. And it's when you realize that fact that you notice how painful <laughs> of a situation you're in. <laughs> For those that are a little bit unfamiliar with this, it's imagine, imagine this podcast episode. It's going to go for between, well, half an hour to an hour, roughly. Imagine if we kept this trivia segment going for the first hour and then we're like, well okay, then, let's get into the plot. <laughs> yeah, that's Hold what on, this fucking what? did. <laughs> oh. uh, so in order to play Wallace as a genuinely blind guy, what did Jared Leto do? Probably hung out with a bunch of blind people. He did that. Poured lemon juice in his eyes. And, and he blinded himself. <laughs> through the, He's not, such a fuckwit. No, no, not through, not through any sort of permanent thing. He just wore opaque contacts, which, yeah. which you can see in the film mm-hmm. um, to do that. But he, they were genuinely blinding. He couldn't see anything through that. And yet he did spend a lot of time with the blind society. Such as well. a method artist. Eh. At least he didn't try to sex pest anyone like he did on Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's such a shame that Jared Leto did go to that much effort. Um, because Wallace ends up being a kind of whatever character. He, he's very mm. cliche as as far as a villain is concerned. Yeah, and I guess so. Nothing about his scenes. They're done nicely, but nothing stands out. Mm. You don't, it's you not don't, like super memorable. No, and, and you don't remember his character and go, oh yeah, Wallace, you know, I... I remember exactly. No, he's just kind of a even, even when you pull guy. it up on IMDb, like you have to scroll to even get to yeah. him in the cast. Like it's not, yeah. not like a big part. And, oh, and IMDb is, is doing in... Um, it has the list in uh, order of appearance. Oh, right. it? Yeah, because freaking, I was confused as well when I was looking through, and I was like, "Where the fuck is second build Harrison Ford?" Because he's um, yeah. So uh, I don't. Somebody that's not me could probably answer this, but some films when they do the credits will do it in order of appearance versus mm. actual yeah. casting like order for some reason. Um, Billy. Yeah, but I don't know why they pick to do sometimes order of appearance versus the actual billing. Yeah. Because on the on the front page of IMDb, for example, it's Ryan Gosling, Dave Bautista, twenty actors we've never heard of, Edward James Olmos, Jared Leto, and you have to actually leave the page to get to Harrison Ford. Which, to be fair, is fair. He's in like twenty minutes of this film. Yeah, like <laughs> he you shouldn't know, be. You know he's in it though. He shouldn't be second build. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it works. <laughs> the um was it the one that played Joy, the hologram? Yes, great. I loved her in this film. Now she's the I I didn't recognize her until. Um, uh, I remembered Knives Out, and she plays the the nurse in Knives Out. Oh, oh that is her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is her. I thought she looked familiar. Every now and then, I thought she was Summer Hayek, and then I realized she wasn't. No, and I was like, why am I thinking this? She's very good. Actually, speaking of Joy, um, the editor had had an idea to sort of highlight her um, artificialness by any time there was a question posed to her. When, it, when the image flipped to her to freeze the frame for nine frames, mm-hmm. just to give that sense of processing, know, pr- processing yeah, yeah. lag and something, I thought that was, that was, a, that was a nice idea. Mm. But that didn't end up being used in the film because it was sort of assumed that the fact that she's artificial and kind of yeah. ghosting through things. I guess would, they did that sort obvious. of thing where it's like kind of like a glitchy kind of thing a few times. As, a few yeah, characters, as well, which, is, which, which kind of gives it away. Yeah. Also, it kind of doesn't make sense if she'd have to do that, but all the replicants don't do that. Like, obviously, the technology exists for them to think and speak and. You know, all these things in real time. Why does the hologram have to freeze and think? Like in theory, you should have a bigger server because it's a hologram as opposed to contained to a physical body like a robot. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. I was annoyed. I, I double featured this in Alien. I mean, I, I, get I had you a to, lot of complaints about sci-fi lately. <laughs> no, I, I get you. To, to render an entire body takes a lot more processing power than to move an entire body yep. mechanically. You know, but that's, also, that's, that's a few lines of code. Gosling's brain or his server, whatever, CPU is contained within a physical body. So we know it has a restraint on size where she's stored up in some sort of cloud somewhere. So I feel as though she should in theory have more processing power because all the thinking is off site and it isn't restrained to a human body. True, but she's a toy. Whereas replicants are genuinely supposed to interact with Mm. humans as as if they're human. Um, and just you know, be the expendable. You know, do but, all the shit that is actually. But the replicants were doing stuff. all the good shit thirty years ago. I thought like this hologram should be fine now. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. In, in any case, the idea wasn't used. And good. It, it's, a bad, <laughs> it's a bad idea. No, it just shows that people were thinking behind the scenes about <laughs> how the how the film would come. Out. They were thinking about hey, how how long can we make a three hour period feel? That's <laughs> all they were thinking of. Well, would you care to take a guess at the alternative title? Good old guessing games. Okay, okay. So it was a Blade Runner 2049 and then a subtitle to that or was it just Blade Runner subtitle? Remember how Roy finishes Blade Runner? No. Uh, All these memories will be lost like tears in the rain. Yeah. Time to die. Uh, Was it Blade Runner time to die? Not time to die. Tears in the rain? Not tears in the rain. Time to live was the alternate title. And thank God they didn't use it because... Both, awful. Those, both, both Time to Die, which would have actually been it sounds appropriate. Sounds like a James Bond film. No, actually, no, because no Time to Die. Yeah. <laughs> but Time to Die would have been appropriate for, for the film. And Tears in the Rain would also have been appropriate for the film. But Time to Live would not have been. It yeah, yeah. rains a lot on these films. Yeah. A lot for a world that also has no plants. Seb, <laughs> if you want to end a drought, all you have to do is blast everything with nuclear radiation after several several bombs, create the dystopia and then you'll get all the rain you need. Okay. There we go. That's the solution. You're listening, farmers? <laughs> <laughs> I'm more interested in the world than I am the story. So I'm going to ask, do they ever give... Oh, they probably did and I just missed it. What was the reason that there are no animals and there are no plants left? Everything was devastated. In a war? After, yeah, a, f- a huge fallout. Um, even food production was uh, was upset. And that's why Wallace is the big shot that he is because he perfected this sort of artificial nutrient farming. Okay. But Batista because was... Because there are no more plants and trees. That's why the flower in the opening scene, it, he, he bags that as evidence because nobody's seen a live plant for ever. Yeah. Ben Batista was on a, working on a protein farm which was growing maggots. Yeah. So Delicious, delicious maggots. Yeah, but they're actually alive and yeah. it's food as opposed yeah. to just... Yeah, okay. Oh, no, it'll be processed. You know, you're just growing them for their protein. Oh, but it was, a, it was growing yeah. a real animal as opposed to... Well, a worm. It's still an animal, as yeah, opposed, as yeah, opposed maybe, to the yeah. weird cyber noodles they were eating later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't well, say it was good. Which is <laughs> also based off soy, but now you don't have any plants because nothing can grow in the yeah. soil. Mm. So you have to do- But he was growing garlic, he said. That's yes, my kind of his, world. In his in his little little farming place. It wasn't an industrial scale garlic farming. Yeah, I just think this world's full of excuses, is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, the working title was Tribro. I don't know why that's significant uh, in any way. And the film, in the film time, it's set in 2049 between June 30 and July 6th. Okay. Just so you know. Good bit of trivia. The more you know. (laughs) 
Uh, Ford also genuinely punched Gosling in the face. Of course he did. Uh, by accident. Yeah, he's an old grumpy bastard. <laughs> no, he, he punched Gosling in the face in that scene where Deckard yeah. is punching Kay in the mm. face. Um, so, I, yeah, I can I can understand how, how that might happen. Didn't and have his glasses on. <laughs> by way of apology, offered to share a bottle of whiskey with Ryan Gosling. Not <laughs> gift him a bottle of whiskey, ah, share. but to share a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> Which may be nicer. Maybe maybe he thought that, that sounds nice though. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying that purely as the idea of having a drink with Harrison Ford sounds amazing. Right. I don't know if it would be because he's grumpy as fuck. But <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he I lines like the up with the <laughs> maybe he lines up with the whiskey. <laughs> maybe. That's it. No more trivia. Boo. No, there's there's a lot to read about the um the film if you're if you're interested. Yeah. Tangentially. More interested in the making of the film than I am the film, I think. Yeah, and all these... I mean, there's a lot of trivia about, you know, the weird little things and quirks um, of, you know, what references tie into one. I generally tend to ignore those because I'm more interested in the actual fi- filmmaking mm. itself. That's that, that's the interesting part of the, the trivia. All the references and things, that's fine, but you don't really get them unless you're a fan of, uh, of, what, you're, of, what, of what you're watching. And that's not necessarily the case. I reckon I can sum up this entire film in three sentences, <laughs> which I think they should take notes of and not dedicate an hour to each sentence when making it. Hear me out. Ryan Gosling is a robot slash robot cop out to get robots. First sentence. He finds out that somebody fucked a robot and the robot gave birth. That's the end of the second sentence. Hold on, Seb, because you're like seven minutes into the film right now. (laughs) Third sentence. This better be a long sentence. Harrison Ford shows up and he fucked the robot and now he meets his daughter. The end. There's a a lot of screen time. There's a lot of screen time (laughs) devoted to in between sentence two and sentence three. Not at all. And even after sentence three, quite a bit. Well, maybe I'm not the one to do this. (laughs) Because that's what I saw. Yeah, that's that's. You can find us it. on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now, the, the the film itself is quite basic. We get a little bit of a mystery set up uh, initially when when uh, Kay Ryan Gosling is um, interviewing Batista, who was a, a, an old replicant who is there to to hunt down. Um, but as a consequence of that, he finds out that yes, there was. Um, uh, this, this uh, bones buried in in a in a box, and it turns out that that person, whoever it was, who was definitely a replicant, um, died during childbirth. So now there's the mystery of the child, and in, in investigating that, he gets a few clues, especially from his from his dream, um, his memory rather of the the horse and the furnaces, and there really is a, a little horse figurine, and then he really goes to the orphanage. Um, where those furnaces are, he doesn't remember. You know, he, he remembers them, but he doesn't remember that he's actually been there. He's convinced that this is, um, th- this must have been a, a false memory, but he can't escape the fact that it feels real to him. And then it's mm-hmm. confirmed that it is a real place, and he starts to think maybe I'm the kid because all these little mysteries are, are adding up. And then, yeah, bizarrely, like two thirds of the way through. The um the resistance leader, the replicant resistance leader, says to him, uh, "No, it's it, it's a girl. Did you think it was you, <laughs> you silly boy? <laughs> oh, why would we, why would the story be about an important character?" <laughs> 
And by that time, he's met up with Deckard and the, the replicant lady says to him, look, you have to kill Deckard because he's the only link for, um, for Wallace to know what happened to this child. And if he gets that child, he'll find out how to, um, how to have his replicants uh, give birth and then the whole thing's over. We have nothing left to, to, to fight for because okay. we'll just be drowned out. Sorry, that, that part does confuse me. Because that was a replicant, right? That says this to him? Yes. Why do they not want Wallace to be able to make more replicants that can give birth? Because I thought they were happy about the fact that one of them did that because it kind of meant that they transcended a little bit beyond their... No, because once he perfects that, then he can just wipe out all the replicants that are non-conforming because he's got, he's got the key. Okay. He can just, you know... Get the get 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 the models that are completely compliant and just churn them out and breed them, but he yeah. can't do that. the The process at the moment has flaws. Rep- replicants have their have their their own memories and that they integrate them uh, individually, and sometimes they you know rebel and don't do the things that they're told to. But if he can get them get genuinely <laughs> replicating them themselves, all he has to do is find the most compliant ones, mm. and that's it. Everybody else, every other model can be can be wiped out, and and they're done. Okay. So and and, and, and in order yeah, to find the girl, in order to find the girl, they know that you know if Deckard is captured, he's going to be tortured. And he's why don't just get the kill Wallace then? Like why? Well, he why? could, but he's in his bunker, just like just like Terrell yeah. was in the in in the pyramids. You just can't get to him. Okay. Because it's like I can get why you want you need to kill one of them, but to jump straight to kill Deckard, I was like, that's a bit rough. No. Kill for Kay to kill Deckard yeah. before Wallace captures him because he's the key to their survival. Did so? Did Deckard know that she was she gave birth, or did he find that in this film? No, he know he knew she had a child and he left. He he explained it when um, Gosling first comes to him in Vegas that yeah, I had to leave in order for them to be protected. He sort of some, yeah. Sometimes in order to love somebody, uh, you have to be a stranger. Okay. And, and that was He's been his. paying child support, I'm sure of it. Yeah. <laughs> the one... So we find out who the kid is. But we actually met the kid earlier in the film, but we didn't know that was the kid. The and I second, hate this. The, oh, it's the second of three scenes that I really like in this film. Good scene. Yeah. It's just the fact that it felt really convenient. So it, Kay goes, because he has this memory, and he doesn't know whether the memory is an implanted memory or a real memory, because it's you can't tell. And he goes to this person... Well, this person slash replicant, I don't think we'll find out for sure, but they're, they're, what they do is they design memories that gets implanted into the replicants. And he goes and meets this woman who does this and she verifies, no, it's a real memory, it's not an implanted one. Turns out, plot twist, she ends up being Deckard's kid. I think it was, I, it felt clunky because like by coincidence we meet this character because our character is actually following the wrong train of thought, thinking that he's the child. So because he made a mistake, we meet a character and then we find out the character has some link to another character. It, it just felt like it, we only got there because he fucked up. It's and not, that's it. It's not, it's, it's not a perfect story, that's true. Yeah. I don't mind. Narratively, the idea of meeting someone and then finding out more about them means more than just meeting some random person at the end. Like It works better in well, a sense that way. It's just the way that we met her at the first part doesn't feel... Fulfilling to me. If mm. you really want to read into it, yes. When she says, um, you know, every artist, you know, puts their own mark on the on, on the memories they make. But for me, what makes them truly special is that it's genuinely a piece of the artist in the memory. 
So by extension, if his memory of the orphanage and the, and the furnace and the horse isn't real because he's a replicant, it is a real memory confirmed by her because it's her memory that she implanted in the replicants and she recognises that it's her memory. Didn't she say that it's illegal to put real memories in? I thought there was a line about that too, though. Maybe not. Well, again, she is an artist, isn't she? She, she, doesn't, she doesn't care about the law. By, she made it seem real because it isn't made up. It's not imagined. It genuinely happened to right. her okay. when she was in the orphanage. Interesting. Which yeah. isn't which isn't explained in, in the film, but if you follow it out, that's that's what makes sense. All right. And so by being introduced to her, it kind of it it isn't the it isn't the kind of cop out that, that you're describing. I, I, I get what you're saying, but if she genuinely is a part of the, the story, just not explained terribly well or, or not blatantly. Yeah, I guess. Then yeah, it's kind of shady, and you yeah. have to read into it a little. Honestly, bit. Honestly, it may have been all there on screen for me to see, and I may have just been so bored with this entire <laughs> film that I zoned out. And I will admit, I zoned out more in the second half than in the first half. I actually yeah. liked the first half quite a lot with the like the starting yeah. of the detective story and all that, all good shit. But there was a point that this film just lost me when I realized mm-hmm. we're halfway through and nothing's happened, and I don't care about what's going to happen anymore so it may have all been there and maybe this whole scene just washed over me because i just didn't care by this point which is more of a detriment to what's come before than what's come (laughs) after there's there's a lot of the film that is just just sort of done to look pretty Mm. and i don't mean that as as a as a as a slam because it genuinely is a beautiful film very good looking but there's a lot of just Ryan Gosling walking and looking at things yeah or flying over a city or some sort of landscape and just you know, five minutes of that. Yeah. Imagine how much more time. of it we could have had in that four-hour cut. <laughs> there's, there's probably, there's probably forty minutes of the film that is just this Oscar bait. Yep. You know, which and if we'd worked. taken it out, the film would be at a, like a respectable length. Well, and maybe I wouldn't have gotten bored less than halfway through. <laughs> Villeneuve him, him, himself uh, said that what I've made is you know the world's most expensive art house film. Sure. And and critically, it's gotten. I mean, it did genuinely get the Oscar mm. for cinematography and um, visual, visual design. effects. I yeah. think it was, yeah. Well, uh, cinematography and something visual. I'll pull it up in a second. So it was. It was worth it. The gamble was worth it from that. Yeah, yeah. visual effects and then cinematography. But it came at the cost of being a successful enjoyment. Film. <laughs> now, yeah, whether it made its money back or close to is you know, kind of debatable. Um, but it wasn't a runaway hit. Yeah, and I think. With a with a tighter film, um, without the, the Oscar bait mm. scenes, which again, it's it's worthy of the award, um, but m- they may not have gotten it if they if they made it tighter. It may yeah. have, however, been more successful if it was. Tighter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no one's gonna walk out of that film and like be like, "Oh, dude, you got to go see this." How long is it? Oh, like nearly three hours. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. off. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pleasant. I I enjoyed it more watching it in the cinema when it came out than mm. watching it at home. Okay. Well, I guess that's sort of the same thing that I said lot, like about the first Blade Runner. I'm like, maybe I would have enjoyed it more in that setting where like the atmosphere and all like all the world building and stuff is a bit more yeah. dialed in when you're in a theater. So I could see that. The thing, the thing that worked was um, Ryan Gosling's character. You got a real yeah. sense of who he was, that he, he is a replicant. He is um, sort of not respected because of that. Because yeah, even 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 the cops at the uh, um, back at the police station 
the kind of same skin job and look at him and go, oh, sorry, I didn't mean it. But there is this uh, derogatory mm. kind of feeling about, yeah. about replicants that nobody really the likes. The N-word for replicants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to Even explain to my wife during this when he got to his apartment and it said, fuck you, Skinner, or what, on the door. Yeah. Uh, I paused and was like, okay, sorry, because she hadn't seen the first one. Like, his name is not Skinner. No. <laughs> she's go, and she's like, what? I'm like, <laughs> it's a derogatory term. He's a skin he's, job. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she's like, skin job? I'm like, yeah. And I described it as it's the Android version of the N-word. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And so he, even though he's he's very competent at, at what he does by being... A, a replicant, yeah, he's he's not he's not respected where he should be. And he's but so polite all the time. It's a fucking shame. He's a nice now, man. Is he polite or is he programmed to be polite? Well, who fucking cares? He's being he's being One polite. And that's <laughs> that's kind of what is explored. I think if the movie was more about that, it could have been a better sci-fi film. Sure, because he is desperate to be human. He's got an apartment. You know, he's got he's got his virtual girlfriend. Um, and he just goes about trying to, you know, be this, you know, old-fashioned fifties dad uh, coming coming back home at the end of the day, and he's desperate to to inject that sort of normality mm. in, his, in his life. Um, and even and even the girl. Uh, so so this is an android with with a, a, a holographic girlfriend you know, sort program of girlfriend. Are they are they just running? Program at each other, or is there some <laughs> genuine creativity and and individuality yeah. going on? And if you can't tell the difference, does it matter? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. That's a, that's a good question to ask. That you know, so often we go about our lives with programmed responses. We wouldn't consider ourselves, uh, you know, robots or manufactured in any way. But you say good morning, the other person says good morning, and that's yeah. There's no, there's no question. You just do that because yeah. you get, you get the cue. So if, if you say something to a, a program and it responds in a way that seems, uh, what's the word, unique, mm. um, but it isn't. It's just a bit of programming. But you can't tell the difference just from the response mm. itself. Doesn't make a difference. Doesn't matter. Yeah. It's like getting two of those like chat bot things to talk to each yeah. other. Yeah. Like a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and that's what yeah. this is. It's you know that's what it is because they're both just running program, and yet it seems kind of real. And you can and you can kind of think, okay, if one of them is breaking the AI, and if if Joy genuinely has, you know, she's not programmed to self sacrifice, obviously. Yeah, and yet she kind of does mm. uh, along the way. Has she, has, has she broken? She pulls a T two on this. Like I, I can't self terminate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, it's interesting stuff. He's and I wish the film was more about that. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. that just would have made the, it much more interesting. Yeah, the, the, than just the bad guy. Let's get the bad guy. Let's stop his yeah. big plan. Yeah. I know. I and you have to. Mm, do you? Well, <laughs> I think to make the money, you do. Guess. Or at least if you're spending 150 million dollars, you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because you could spend 20 million dollars and make it about the sci-fi element. Well, it's, it's <laughs> that um, it's that Joaquin Phoenix film, her. Yeah, it's right. Just Except her in space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That, that could be a good movie. Um, Ryan Gosling, I, I think he did a pretty good job that this entire film. I'm he rag- did a fantastic job. I rag on him for being unemotional, no, but he's meant to be, and I'm, he does a good job. With and it. that's that's. That's the point. It's you can't latch onto anything because he does look emotionless. But that's the trick. But I always he, he felt like he was thinking and acting with purpose, as opposed to yeah. like when you say he's like a machine, a machine out there just running through the motions, sort of thing. I always felt like 
he's a real guy the entire time. So he kept that bit of weird humanity for me the entire way through, even yes. though he was giving a very stoic performance. So good shit is what I want to say. Acted the pants of Harrison Ford in this film. <laughs> who just did the normal Harrison Ford thing, which is fun, yeah, but yeah. it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Something no, about I cheese. He, <laughs> no, even even Harrison Ford as, as, as Deckard, you kind of buy that he's Deckard. And this is how Deckard's life w- would have gone out. I actually felt like he was... Sh- and I know the film was about his daughter, like finding his kid. Well, I felt like he was shoehorned into the end of the, end of this film, though. Yeah. Maybe. When we rock Maybe up, I'm like, oh, of course we're here. Because of course Maybe. he's in this film. Like, yeah, I could have done without him the entire time. But Deckard himself was done. At the start of Blade Runner, he's done. Right? He's done with, with, mm. with, the, with the police force. He's done with the, with the hunting. And he's called in to do a special job and... You're the only guy who can do this. I've got no one else to turn to. You know, wasn't said as nicely as that, but that's essentially what the what the message was. And he just hated doing what what he was doing. So by by this film where he's run off with a replicant and had a child with her because she was the next evolution or Tyrrell's pet project to you know he he, he nailed yeah. our replicants could could reproduce. Um, and then he has to in in order to save them he has to walk away from the whole thing. Because people will just come and find them and, and dissect his daughter. What an annoying series of events! This yeah, <laughs> he's, he, he's just come back to life from you know essentially you know giving up on everything, and now he's got to give it all away in order for it to, to flourish. Yeah, of course you'd be you'd be a, sh- a shell of a man and yeah. not give a crap about anything. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> just like, go away. I don't care who you are. <laughs> just leave me alone. I'm done. Just leave me here to die. <laughs> I've been drinking whiskey every day trying to kill my liver and the damn thing just keeps on functioning. <laughs> oh, what else is there? This film's it's so long, but just cuz so little happens to these like these drawn out stretches. Yeah. We're just trying to think of where we go next. The, the actual mystery that's set up is is quite nice. You're along for the ride. It's not um it's not something that is unexpected. Yeah, and even even him finding out that it's not that he's not the child after all, is is a nice little twist. Mm. But you don't kind of go, oh my god, that's you know amazing. Mm. Oh, I didn't see that coming. No, okay, that's yeah, that, that's fine. That's, that's that's a nice way that the story goes. Like, there, there are no surprises in the film. It's just a, 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 a very basic story. Unfortunately, drawn out yeah. with some spectacular visuals mm. that just it. It doesn't feel like anything is paid off at the end. Yeah, I can feel that because you you, you reach the end of the film and you go, okay, it didn't need two and a half hours to. No, of course it didn't. No. Yeah, no film does really. <laughs> and you feel cheated because of that, despite everything else being just beautiful. Yeah. Um. Fuck. Sorry. I'm just. It was just so dull. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um. Nope, I got nothing to say about this film. Sorry, I'm just I'm literally just like caught between the fact that it was just the slow, the slow thing. I like the little mystery at the beginning. Good stuff. Like, yep, cool. This person died giving childbirth. Yeah, oh, it opens really strong. Yeah, it's a replicant. What? That's not possible. <laughs> and then from there, just big downhill because it does start with this big, interesting hook, and then I just think it slowly tries to play it out for another three hours after that. Yeah, and it just ah. Good world though, and visually, it, I mean, shockingly, the film that won on Oscar for being, you know, for looking good, looks good. I think it looks better than the first one. In saying that, of course, it does though. 
It came out 30 years later. <laughs> it's going to look better. But yeah. It's 50 years in the future, Seb. Everything looks better. Exactly right. Well, <laughs> only, only, only 30 years now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else then, guys? Or do we want to really just roll into roll into the recommendations? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm going to press this button and hope it's the right one. You've heard the good, you've heard the bad. A lot of opinions, a couple facts. It's verdict time. Uh, yeah, nah. Um, strong intro. You should just watch the intro, the, the first scene with Dave Batista in it. Good shit, and then pack it up and go home. <laughs> um, yeah, it just wasn't didn't hold my attention. Um, it's tough. I think it was actually a better made film than the first one, and weirdly more interesting than the first one. But the first one was definitely easier to watch long term because it was yeah. a bit shorter and gets to the point. And Harrison Ford being a bit more of a an internally challenged character played out a little bit better, but I also think Ryan Gosling was a better actor. So it's really tough. I think Harrison Ford's character was better, but Ryan Gosling's act performance was better. Uh, you throw them all together and you've got a five-hour film. Don't do that either. <laughs> um, just watch one of them. Probably the first one. Yeah, I can't can't really disagree with any of that. Like, I don't know if I just have like mild ADHD or something, but like, it, I just couldn't pay attention to it because it was so slow moving. And it doesn't help that when you know that you still have so much time to go. And there's so little happening, but it, it's like it does look really nice. It's a it's a treat for the eyes, but everything else is just kind of there. I, I agree with Seb. Like the opening's really good. I like I like that. I was like, oh cool, this should be pretty good. Like in that first like ten minute scene, and then it just kind of dropped off. And I was like, eh. like nothing after that really like pulled me into it. So I struggled to like. I struggled for it to keep my attention, which again, that could just be me. It could be the film. It could be a combination of both. Um, but yeah, I, yes and no on the recommend really. <laughs> like, cause like I can appreciate what it is and like some people would definitely really enjoy it. Like obviously based off the ratings and all that sort of thing. But I would say if you're going to watch one, like I would just go with the first one, but big, like, but it, it is better in certain respects than the first one but just how drawn out and the length of it is really detrimental to it as well. well. I I won't sit on the fence. I will recommend seeing this film. Yep. But I will say definitely dedicate time to it mm. and make sure you're watching the film or you'll miss the things that make it great. There's a lot of detail put into little things that <clears throat> on their own don't really you wonder why you're, you're putting the effort into into watching it, but then you, you see it all together and it's all about world building and mm. atmosphere and you have to take it all in together. You can't be distracted yeah. in, in watching it. That will that will hurt um, mm. your enjoyment of it. But it tells, it tells a very basic story and a story that uh, I guess we all kind of... Ask ourselves at, at at some point: Is it what's my what's my purpose? What's my role? And does it matter what I am um, in terms of what I what I do? You know, can I still <laughs> can I still go down this path even though uh, what I am has changed, or I'm not what I mm. thought I was, or things that things that come out when you're when you're living your life uh, determine what you do. But you can still fight destiny. You yeah. can still be a good person, yeah. however however you define that, despite anything else going on around you. I think that's a good message. Yeah. 
Right? Like the story and like the ethos of the film is good. It's just the package that it's wrapped up in is just It takes a long a time to get hard. there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think if I'd seen this film at the cinemas, I would be having a very different approach to the review right now. Yeah, um, I agree. The fact is it was never for me interesting enough to warrant my 100% dedication during it because I, I felt like I dropped off at a point. In a cinema, you don't really have a choice. Mm. It is what it is. You're yeah. stuck there. But in a world where I exist and I can, I can see the wall to my right, it's more interesting. Like I can look at, I can turn right, <laughs> and that was its downfall. The fact that I I was watching it in a home with 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 white walls because they 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 could hold my interest. Um, Twenty forty nine does a better job of explaining itself than Blade Runner does. Yeah, it definitely does. And I and I don't think they're really the same film. No, they're, they're very nah. different. They're the same. They're the same world and the same ideas, but yeah. told in two different ways. Yeah, definitely. And there's a lot of. There's a lot of repetition as well that is kind of subtle, um, like that, like that whole thing of, you know, the the, um, the rhyming of sequels and trilogies with the with the predecessors, like in this one. Um, so in the in the original Blade Runner, you've got Roy <coughs> going around to all the other, you know, contractors and suppliers for Tyrrell, for Chen, mm-hmm. for the eyes, and and Sebastian for the for the uh, uh, for the brain. Mechanic. No. What does he do? Oh, the nervous oh, system or something, whatever, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. Sebastian does. Whereas in this one, it's Kay who visits the the dream lady, who's right. a contractor for for Wallace and, and the replicants. And when <laughs> we find out something more about them during those interactions, uh, so that's that's not recycling. I think th- this film is a bit cleverer in how it does. Yeah, that. It's, it's not as obvious. It wasn't just like a you know obvious kind of retread of the same stuff. Yeah. But it, it, it is a genuine sequel yeah, to, the, to the film. And I think I think it's well worth the watch. But again, you have to Yeah, you've got to be watch in, it. in for it. Yeah. <laughs> know what you're in for and ready to attack it. Yeah. Socials? Find us on Instagram at Second Take Podcast, or if you live in the future, you can tweet us at Second Take TNC. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash second take. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jordan MSPP. And chuck us a follow as well, Bastion underscore James. Our website, secondtakepodcast.com, secondtakepodcast at gmail.com or support the show at patreon.com slash secondtake. Now, we're back this Wednesday with a very, very special Andrew-hosted game show episode. And then following that Monday, um, we'll be doing Alien. So we're continuing on the old Ridley Scott train um, with a bit of a classic. And yeah, so that's pretty exciting. And then after that, I think we start Terminator. So Aren't we doing Aliens after that? Oh, sorry, Aliens and then Terminator. Sorry. Yes. Wasn't that the whole point, Seb? Yeah, probably. <laughs> that's right, because we go Alien for... Um, what's his name? I just said his name. James Cameron? Yeah, no, the... Ridley Scott, then oh, the James. Yeah, 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 just, yeah, yeah. 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 Whatever. I'm going home. Yeah. It's fine. Here's um, <laughs> goodbye, horses. <laughs>
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.